0: Thank you, musicians. We appreciate that tonight. I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Lamentations in chapter 3. And we're going to go there. Lamentations chapter 3 this evening. And verse 21. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 21. And I want to uh, examine the Word of God with you for a few minutes tonight. And uh, somebody sent me this uh, little story... And the story goes that a senator of the United States died. Now this is just a story, so don't run up and question the theology. But the story goes that he dies and he goes to the pearly gates and there to meet with Saint Peter. And he's excited, he's ready to go to heaven, you know, and then Peter stops him and says, well, wait a minute. It's not really like that. You have to make a choice between heaven and hell. And the senator said, well, I choose heaven. He goes, well, before you make your choice, you get to go and visit each place for one hour. And then after you visit each place, then you get to make your decision. And so the senator said, well, that's silly. You know, I I know what I'm going to decide. And so, well, this is the rules. They take him to an elevator, said, we're going to take you to hell first. He goes to this elevator. He takes the elevator down uh, and uh, the door opens and he's going to see hell. And when he sees hell, rather than what he thought hell was going to be, it's this nice green rolling hills, cool breeze. Off to the side is a, is a very nice uh, little porch area. And, uh, and th- there are people there and he walks over and there are all these politicians that he knew in Washington, D.C., they're having a cookout. Soft music is playing, barbecue and uh, great food. Uh, there's wine, you know, he's sipping wine, he's eating good food. They're having great conversation. Everybody's laughing. Everybody's just, 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 this is just a great Washington party. Before he knows it, an hour has gone up and the angels come and say, look, your time is up. He says, look, I have to be leaving. He's hugging everybody goodbye. And they're all saying, we're going to miss you, man. Come back. And uh, and 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 so, you know, he walks to the elevator. He just, just a pleasant time. Uh, takes the elevator uh, and they take him up to heaven. They open heaven up and there's heaven, you know, and there are clouds and people in harps. And, uh, you know, it's a nice place. It's a peaceful place, kind of the way he thought heaven would be, you know. But he can't get away from that much fun he had down in hell, you know hours up in heaven goes back to Peter Peter says well you know you got to see both sides what do you choose the senator thinks and says you know I can't believe I'm saying this but man I really I really enjoyed hell and I think I'd rather go to hell and Peter, goes, okay you know so they take him to the elevator he goes down the door is open and there's a lake of fire Souls are crying and moaning in agony. It is uh, it is the hell that he had thought hell was to be. Uh, It's horrible. Before long, Satan reaches in and grabs him uh, and begins to drag him away. And he's like, it's no fair. It's no fair. He says, I don't understand. Last time I was here, uh, my friends, it was a party. It was great. And Satan says, oh, that was before the election. (laughs) Now, obviously, that is a, you know, we are living in a political year. How many know politicians are good at making promises? Uh, and well, if you, after you elect them, uh, it's a different story. Aren't you glad tonight that God, when he makes a promise, keeps his promises? Amen. And that, and that it's not like, you know, he says all these things and once you get saved, then it's a totally different story. And I thought about that, beloved, in light of what I'm going to preach on, because I'm going to preach on one of God's greatest promises. And yet, for many people... That promise seemed to be more real before they were saved or in the early days of their salvation, but it's not as real any longer. And that is the reality of God's mercy. I want to preach a sermon called Experiencing Mercy at Lamentations chapter 3. I want to talk to you about the experience of mercy in your own life. Verse 21, we are reading here and... uh, Jeremiah is talking, you know, Lamentations is a sad book. Obviously, the word lamentation means to lament or to be sorry. And this prophet who has spent the book of Jeremiah warning them of coming judgment is now walking through the streets of Jerusalem after judgment, weeping. And he looks at this horrible, horrible judgment that has befallen this beloved city, And he says these words, Lamentations chapter 3, it says, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Because of his, because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Let's pray. Father, I ask tonight for the grace of God to be upon this service. I ask this evening that we would have a revelation, O God, in our own lives of your great mercy that you have towards us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to consider, first of all, tonight, mercy extended. And this starting point this evening. Because uh, if you're going to understand mercy, you must begin by appreciating the condition of mankind. There is a wrong view tonight that many people have about the gospel of Jesus Christ. In this wrong view, they believe that humanity is peaceful, loving, kind, and content. And along came these hellfire and brimstone preachers, uh, bringing condemnation and misery to innocent people. You would get the idea from some that, you know, here we are, we're just having a party, we're just at the river walk, man. We're just, you know, and everything was fine until you guys showed up. And that everything was great, we were we were doing good, um, but uh, these people have come and they're preaching uh, and they're trying to make us feel bad about our sin. They're condemning us, they're trying to make us, uh, you know, feel uncomfortable. Um, and, and to listen to them, they think that preachers this evening are a bunch of uptight, frustrated hypocrites uh, who are wanting to foist upon others their own religious paranoia. And that is, you know, that is what we are, you know, if you want, why don't you just leave us alone? And, and they have it exactly backwards. In their mind, we are free from guilt and shame and condemnation until someone begins to crack open the Bible. But the Bible says the opposite. The reality, beloved, is whether you believe there's a God or not. It doesn't matter what religion you are tonight. It doesn't matter this evening whether you're young or old, whether you're a drug addict or a goody two-shoes. Man is in a state of condemnation. That mankind is lost. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, man has been in the state of condemnation. Man is lost, is away from God, whether you feel it or not, whether you are conscious of it or not, uh, means absolutely nothing. Uh, And the gospel preacher is not there to condemn you, he's there to help you from being condemned. That this is how the Bible sees things uh, this evening, uh, that man is sinful, lost, and bound, and the gospel is one of love, hope, uh, and mercy. The starting point is that man has sin. That is the biblical premise uh, that there's nobody that is perfect. uh, That every one of us is under the penalty of sin. Uh, Every one of us tonight has been condemned uh, to a devil's hell. Uh, That is uh, your uh, experience. That is my experience. Now, they tell us uh, that when a person uh, uh, is uh, found guilty of a capital crime and sentenced to death row, uh, that when they arrive at the gates of death row uh, and begin to walk into the gates, uh, that they have a custom. And that custom is uh, that somebody shouts, dead man walking. And what they're saying is that even though this man is alive, living and breathing, uh, the state says that he's dead. That He has already been condemned that it may be a matter of time before the final act of punishment is meted out before there's that lethal injection. But because of his crime and the sentence that has been passed upon him, he's already dead. May I say to you tonight that because of sin, the sentence of death is upon every one of us. Mankind is sin, we are all dead men walking. Listen to the bible romans six twenty three The wages of sin is death john three seventeen Jesus said, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed ecclesiastes says there is not a just man on the earth who does good and does not sin in the bible we are condemned already are you with me tonight We are condemned already. You are already, before you ever walked in this building tonight, uh, visitor who's not saved and doesn't know Christ, uh, you were already condemned. It is not my job, nor can I condemn you uh, this evening. Sin has already done that. That is the condition of mankind this evening. Maybe you caught the interesting article that came out recently, the book uh, Left Behind by Tim LaHaye. Uh, you know, I don't even know how many books they ended up making out of this uh, whole cottage industry. But apparently in the last uh, uh, installment, uh, it concludes with the Great White Throne Judgment. And there was a writer for the New York Times, this guy's not a Christian, and he reads the final book uh, and he wrote an article. And in the article he said uh, that the final judgment is the ultimate ethnic cleansing. And he borrows this popular political term of ethnic cleansing and all that that conjures up. Uh, and he says that this is what Christians believe. Because we believe that if you're not a Christian, you're going to die and go to hell. And so we believe in ethnic cleansing. Well, talk about totally turning the gospel around, uh, totally twisting things. The reality, beloved, is that, again, the is gospel isn't condemning anybody to hell. The gospel is trying to keep people from hell. We're already condemned. Whether I preach, whether there's a Bible, whether there's a church, this is the condition of humanity tonight. See, our message is not that God wants to judge you. Our message is God wants to save you from judgment. And the Bible message, beloved, is clear, and that is that apart from God's mercy, there is no hope. And that is our text. It says, through the Lord's mercies... We are not consumed. Other translation says... uh, It uh, is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. This is a profound admission. What uh, Jeremiah is saying is... If we got what we deserve... We would all be destroyed. If we got what we deserved... We would all be lost. I wonder if you believe that tonight. I wonder if deep down you understand... That apart from God's mercy... You would never be saved that your goodness, your intelligence, uh, your personal fortitude or discipline isn't enough that you come to a point in your life uh, where Jeremiah looks uh, at the terrible judgment that befell uh, Jerusalem uh, and he comes to this conclusion, uh, God, unless you have mercy on us, uh, unless there's an extension of mercy and we do not get what we deserve, uh, we're all going to be lost. uh, None of us are going to be saved. uh, And that is a revelation men must have. And this is the deep conviction of the Word of God uh, that it is only because of mercy. It is only because of mercy that I am not lost, that I am not destroyed. Listen to Psalms 124. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive. When their wrath was kindled against us, then the waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul. Then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. We know that Psalms 124 is a, what is called a psalm of ascent or a psalm of degrees. And this was basically a song that they that the Jewish pilgrims would sing as they walked up uh, to the temple to worship God. Uh, They would sing this, was the chorus. uh, And that chorus was, you know what? uh, If it wasn't for the Lord, uh, we would have been whooped. If it wasn't for the Lord, we wouldn't have made it. Uh, We would have been lost. Uh, We would have had no hope. Uh, And uh, our only hope, our only confidence, uh, is that God has stepped in against our enemies. Uh, He has held us, uh, our heads above the water's can you say man uh, this is the only thing that we believe tonight uh, that we're not good enough we're not smart enough we're not right enough uh, we need the mercy of god is this your conviction tonight do you believe you know what if i had not been the lord then my family would have fallen apart it had not been the Lord, my finances would be destroyed. If it had not been the Lord, my mind would have crumbled. If it had not been the Lord, my body would be destroyed. The Bible says that he is the great initiator tonight. John says we love him because he first loved us. I didn't find God. He found me. Jesus Christ came to seek and save uh, the lost. Uh, I didn't one day wake up and decide to figure out who he was. But in his love and in his mercy, uh, he began to find a very confused and lost uh, 16-year-old young man and deal with me. Uh, Amen. He initiated that relationship tonight. It was solely of his mercy. I didn't figure this out. I could have never arrived here on my own. Noah, beloved, God speaks to Noah and begins to deal with him about the building of an ark. You now, I was talking to my father this weekend. I stayed at my parents' house and spent a little time with my dad every morning having coffee and was, you know, dealing with him. And I was telling about our recent uh, video series on, uh, on science and creation. And we were talking about the flood. And I was giving him some facts. My dad's a very educated man, you know. And I'm giving him some facts about Noah's ark. And he says, son... He would have needed supernatural help. He said, Yes, amen. You got there you go. Yeah, you figured it out right there. How many know, beloved, it was supernatural. That it wasn't just you and I. It's not our hard work. Uh, It was Lot uh, unwilling, uh, hesitating, uh, halting in his steps. uh, And yet God sends the angels uh, to speak to him uh, and help him and pull him out. That's the mercy of God tonight. Uh, It is Moses uh, who is the young prince of Egypt who goes uh, in his heavenly uh, chariot uh, down into the ghettos of Goshen. uh, And reaches down and saves uh, a Jewish man that is being abused by an Egyptian. That is the gospel tonight. It is not. uh, We're not here as goody-two-shoes. We're not here showing off uh, how good and how right we are. We're here saying, you know what? If it wasn't for Jesus, we would all be lost. That is our only hope. That is the only thing that we have going for us tonight. Psalms 40 verse 2, he brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of a miry clay and set my foot upon the rock. I don't know about you tonight, but I think that's a pretty accurate description of my life before I was saved. He brought me up out of a horrible pit and miry clay. I don't get these people that say, well, you know, I really, I was, you know, I almost made it. I, I was almost going to be, you know, a lead guitar player for ZZ Top or something. You know, I was like, listen, man, when Jesus found us, we were in a horrible pit. We didn't climb out of that pit. We didn't use transcendental meditation to imagine ourselves out of that pit. Uh, amen. Uh, all we did is reach out and Jesus pulled us out. And without him, we were lost. I want you to consider feckly beloved, not only mercy extended, but mercy experienced. When mercy is missing. See, I know that you're going to say "Man, to what I'm preaching this evening. We love that. We know that is true. And yet I find that many Christians can quote scriptures on mercy. They can speak about mercy to the sinner. They can sit down with somebody that is unsaved and they can explain very clearly. uh, You know what? uh, If you don't earn your way to heaven, Jesus loves you. He will forgive you in a moment. Uh, And yet that same Christian in their own life has lost a sense uh, of God's mercy. They can tell somebody who has made a horrible mess of their life. You know what? You just need to give this to Jesus. He loves you. He may hate your sin, but He loves the sinner. Man, He will forgive you. He will sort this thing out. Uh, The moment you pray, uh, He takes your sin. He removed it as far as the east is from the west. He casts it into the sea of forgetfulness. Uh, It will never be remembered anymore. We say all that, and yet, to many Christians, beloved, that is not their experience. When they sin, when they fall, rather than than entering into that and laying hold of that on their own lives, it's a totally different story. Now, there are a number of reasons why this is so. First of all, there's Satan. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren, brethren. That there is a constant whine from hell about our imperfections. That this evening, every one of us has to overcome the wicked one, John says. Every one of us tonight has our own personal battle with Satan. And as one of the things, one of his master tools uh, is, to, is to heap on you condemnation and guilt uh, and uh, every imperfection, and every flaw in your life, uh, the devil's there. How could you do that? Even the things you do right, you don't do them right enough. You read the Bible and you close the Bible and immediately, why didn't you? You could have read one more chapter. You pray and when you get up, uh, you're already done praying. What about this person? You walk down the street and somebody walks by. How come you didn't witness to them? Are you with me tonight, church? And so people, beloved, they can talk all about mercy, but yet uh, they live under a state of condemnation because Satan is constantly accusing them. Then, of course, there's another reason and that is sin. The fact is tonight that you and I are not perfect, and we still wrestle with a sinful nature. And Christians, I know this is going to shock you tonight, have been known to sin. And because of that, beloved, uh, they Christians fall into sin. And when they fall into sin, uh, there's this, uh, that, you know, this guilt uh, and this, this, you know, even though we can tell it to a sinner, uh, somehow in our minds it's not enough to go to an altar and just pray, you know. We've got to fast and do this and do these outreaches and do this. And then, of course, there's the third reason, and that is self-righteousness. Satan, sin, and self-righteousness. See, there's a pride factor that we have to guard against tonight. After we begin to experience a measure of victory and dominion over sin in our lives, we're not careful, we begin to credit ourselves. And lose sight of God's mercy. We're no longer drinking beer. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. We got victory over the cigarettes. We're no longer doing drugs. Maybe we've judged uh, uh, evil relationships. Begin to just live for God. Uh, we have a, a, a an oriented Christian life. You know, we build our life around the things of God. It governs all that we do. Uh, and uh, and uh, and now we've got to, we're doing we're doing great. We're just moving along. We're powering on the things of God. And then and then somewhere along the line, uh, sin steps in, uh, and there's a, there's almost a pride factor. How can I do that? What's the matter with me? I expect more from myself. The new convert goes, <laughs> I blew it again. Goes down to the altar. God forgive me. All right. <laughs> but the older Christians, I don't know what's the matter with me, man. I'm messed up. And I don't know. I let everybody, you know. and uh, I'm going to just start you're missing church. I'm going to just pout for a little while. Stay out. I'm not going to lift my hands and worship anymore. Because of our pride. And ourself right, rather than, rather than enter in and lay hold of that, something uh, of our own pride obscures the mercy of God. And so tonight, the question before us is how can we experience God's mercy for ourselves? Did God help us to not let this just become a doctrine? Now, we do experience mercy. Have Anybody here ever been let off the hook? So what are you talking about? What I'm talking about is when you go pay a bill and you're there waiting to pay the bill and they pull it up and they say, excuse me, Mr. Ruby, but according to our records, the bill has already been paid. You don't us anything. You ever had that happen to you? You're let off. The, how many of you go, no, there must be some mistake right now. I want you to call the manager. Uh, that, I'm tired of this. Uh, I know I owe this money. How many know you don't do that? What you say is, you know, are you sure? All right, all right. And then you take off running down the block. You were let off the hook. You don't know what I'm talking about. How about this one? Anybody ever been pulled over? Amen. Jerry, you cover your eyes right now, you know. You get pulled over by a police officer and you're guilty. Throw a foot on that brake, slow down. You know, whistle. <laughs> You're busted, man. They got that gun on you. I got. Um, <laughs> they had one of those um, uh, speed traps. That's what it was. You know, <laughs> they got me the other day. I mean, they're waiting. You know, you know it's bad. Well, they're not even in their cars. They're just standing there. You know, and you know, you, you know, there they are. Right? And you're busted. And then a police officer comes, you know, and, and uh, you know you can argue. You ought to be out catching criminals instead, of, you know. You, yeah, that really works, you know. I, I cop, you know, yeah, Bo, you know, officer, you're right. And when they say, you know, you need to slow down, but I'm going to give you a ticket today. Yes. <laughs> One time after a service on a Sunday, here's confession time. I was, uh, I, uh, after a service, uh, uh, my wife and daughter were already in Tucson. It was Christmas Eve. I finished preaching, and my goal was to be in Tucson when it turned 12. <laughs> so, uh, not smart. And so, I, my, my son and I, we are taking off, and we are like, uh, uh, we are like uh, Jehu in the Bible. We are driving furiously. And uh, we move, and this officer pull, DPS guy pulls me over. And I get, I'm dressed, I'm, like, I'm dressed now. I just got through preaching. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and he, I get out of the car, you know, and he's like, you know, we're talking. He goes, what do you do for a living? And I, I said, sir, I'm on my way trying to meet my, my family for Christmas Eve, you know. And what do you do for, I'm a pastor. And he says, well, pastor, we're all trying to make it to the promised land. <laughs> Christmas, I'm not going to give you a ticket. It's like, glory to God. You know what that is? That is experiencing mercy. Husbands, have you ever said the wrong thing to your wife? And you knew she could run with that. But she just pauses, thinks about it and says, I'm going to just let that one by. Mercy. (laughs) I want to tell you, beloved, it is it is it is a powerful thing to have mercy operate in your life. To know that you don't have to be perfect, and that your imperfection automatically means it's going to sling you into the mud. That mercy can be extended. And there are a couple of observations that Jeremiah makes about God's mercy that I want you to consider with me tonight. Number one is that God's mercy is inexhaustible. The scripture says his compassion does not fail or fails not. God's mercy is unlimited. God's mercy tonight is is not a finite resource. It is not as if God has a limited supply of mercy for you. And, uh, you know, you're kind of getting to the bottom of the barrel. And, oh, yeah, these new cars, you're all excited because, I mean, they've got this full reservoir. But I've been saved a long time, so mine's down to about here right now. Aren't you glad that his compassion does not fail tonight? It is not like, uh, you know, we, we get this in this mindset sometimes uh, uh, that we begin to see God as kind of being exhausted uh, and tired uh, and limited. Uh, and so here we are, we've sinned. We've done something wrong and we've come to Him uh, and, 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 and we're there and God says, What? Again? Alright, alright, but I'm going to tell you right now. One more time. Do you hear me? One more time and you're dead. (laughs) Oh, you'd be surprised how many people think like that. That God is there and he's just exhausted and tired of us. But yet, Jeremiah says, his compassion doesn't fail. That God's mercy is inexhaustible tonight. That His mercy is bigger than our failure. I you know that, that, you, you know, I understand. I, I mean, I know some of you are, you know, we have a pastor, we don't you know people take advantage of that. I, I understand all that, but I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about you tonight. And about believing that, you know what, that God's mercy is sufficient for my life. He's sufficient for my weakness and my problem it's not as if uh, you know God has grown, grown weary of me and tired of me Psalms 86 for you Lord are good and are ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you Numbers 14 the Lord is long suffering and abundant in mercy forgiving iniquity and transgression that is the the, the the hope of the gospel is that there's an abundant supply tonight and if you have said man but I mean God had to use so much mercy on me in this situation yes he did but I've got good news for you tonight he still has some more the second truth that I think uh, is worth considering tonight in this statement is the fact that God's mercies are made fresh daily. Now, how many here like homemade tortillas? If I'm going to have, I'm not much of a breakfast eater, but if I'm going to have uh, breakfast, I'm going to look where the sign says homemade tortillas. Don't give me that H-E-B stuff, you know what I mean? I want to walk in and I want to see a little viejita chained to a table somewhere and making, (laughs) making tortillas. There is something about what is fresh that's powerful tonight. And the Bible says that God's mercies are made fresh daily. Verse 23, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I was pondering this. What does this mean? Obviously, what Jeremiah is saying is that mercy has to be more than a doctrine. Mercy cannot be what happened to you yesterday or five years ago or ten years ago. But mercy must be your daily experience. Your testimony isn't where you've been. Your testimony is where you're going. And thank God, and I believe in recounting our testimony and the story of our salvation is still the greatest story ever told. But I want to tell you something, you need, and you must be convinced that you need a fresh dose of mercy every day. And not only do you need it, but that God supplies that, that he is faithful. Jesus, as he teaches us to pray, says, Lord, give me this day my daily bread, and I forgive those that have sinned against me, uh, and forgive me my sins. That, beloved, the daily bread isn't just simply a prayer for provision. It's not just a prayer that I'm going to have food on my table today. uh, But the part of that daily bread, that daily provision is God, uh, give me the ability today to forgive other people, to extend mercy and to receive mercy. That this is something that I need in my life all the time. I have to have this flowing in my life, my ability to forgive people, uh, and my ability to lay hold of your forgiveness in my life. Without fresh mercy, I want to tell you, your spiritual life grows stale. Without a fresh sense of God's mercy, you are going to carry the weight uh, and the burden of your failures day after day uh, until it weighs you down. You can have powerful, uh, powerful experiences in Christ, be totally liberated. But if you're not careful, you can allow your own weakness and your own sin and your failure to just weigh you down and weigh you down and oppress and vex you uh, because there's no fresh experience of God's mercy that says you know what uh, I says, washed away it's under the blood uh, the joy of forgiveness blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven the psalm says uh, th- th- that means happy is the man joyful is that man that, that walked in uh, with that burden on his back uh, who rolled it off and walks away free. blessed is that man but oh beloved I want to tell you man that there's something about our religious mind that will say, you know what, you need to pick that up. That's too simple. That's too easy. But you need a fresh touch of God's mercy. And the Bible says, every morning, God knows us. And so every morning, he's getting them ready. He says, you know, I, I can touch you today. I can set you free today. I can meet you at the point of your failure and your weakness today. You don't have to go through the day vexed, tormented, and condemned. Allowing the devil just to use you as a punching bag. You don't have to do that. My mercies are there. Be honest tonight. God has had to put up a lot with a lot from you since you got saved. You have know, people that think, you know, you know, that God's just out to get them. God's just way to judge you. How many know if God wanted to judge you? You and I have already given Him plenty of reasons to do it. No. Because He's faithful, He makes His mercies fresh every day. That's mercy experienced. I want to close and talk to you about mercy expected. And we'll finish up. You know, to understand mercy is to bring hope. There is a direct link between our hope and the understanding of God's mercy i want you to think about this for a minute people who lay hold of the mercy of god have an expectation of good you know that people that believe and lay hold of this truth tonight that god's mercies uh, do not fail that they are fresh every morning you know what that does that produces something inside of us a confidence and that confidence is you know what uh, whatever the future holds even if I'm not perfect, even if I don't do uh, things don't always go the way I want them to go, that God's there and He's going to meet me there, He's going to help me. People this evening that do not embrace the mercy of God and do not have this as a reality in their life, the opposite is true. Rather than being filled with hope, they are filled with dread. They have a fear for the future. They anticipate disappointment and being let down. People that have not laid hold of the mercy of God, they expect things to go wrong because they believe that God is out to get them, that sin is going to catch up with them, that God is going to grow tired of them, and everything is going wrong. Hebrews 10 For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment. And fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. What a a horrible verse of scripture tonight. It talks about people that have said, I know the gospel, I know what you're saying is true, but you know what, I don't want to do that, I want to backslide, I'm going to live my own life. And the Bible says that people like that, doesn't matter what front they put up on the outside, the Bible says down on the inside, there's a certain fearful expectation of judgment. Every backslider tonight is filled with dread. Every backslider tonight uh, can be in the saloon or the club. uh, And I want to tell you, you scratch the surface and underneath you're going to find someone that is frightened and fearful. I know a woman today that is saved and serving God. Uh, Her sisters all got saved when she was young. She had been in and out of church. uh, And uh, I remember uh, when she got saved, her husband telling me that one night in the middle of the night, they're not Christian. They're not saved. In the middle of the night, she, there was a noise outside. She woke up. Uh, the rapture, Jesus is coming. She grabs her sinner, her husband, pray with me. I need to She's crying. Because that's the reality tonight. Without a, or a knowledge of God's mercy in your life, there's this anticipation of judgment. It's going to catch up with you. You're finally going to be found out. But when you understand mercy, it takes the pressure off. And that is that God is going to meet me at the point of my weakness. His mercy is sufficient. Verse 24, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul that seeks Him. There is a confidence in God's mercy. Think about it. Here's Jeremiah, man. He's he's looking at a ruined city. I mean, I mean this is not a sermon that looks over sin or treats sin lightly. Jerusalem is devastated because of their sin, their idolatry, their rebellion. But in the middle of that, he says, you know what? Uh, in the middle of this devastation, there I have a hope in God because I understand his mercy. God is my portion. And you know what? I may look all around and see the horrible consequence of sin. But I know that if I lay hold of the living God and all of my failure and all of my weakness, God will meet me and he'll help me and I'm full of hope. I've got a future. I've got a direction. I've got a purpose. Psalms 23 says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You don't have to tonight say, well, all of God's mercy was extended in the early days of my Christian life. You might be here this evening, you're a Christian, you love God, you know the Bible. And yet there's this dread, this anticipation that somehow it's all going to fall apart. I've got good news for you tonight that the mercy of God is here to meet with you. The Old Testament, I close right here, there was the Ark of the Covenant. The Bible says that in the Ark of the Covenant there were a number of things, but... Primarily and most widely known was the commandments that God had written by his finger and given to Moses and Moses and anger had broken. The Bible says they were placed inside of that ark. They were the testimony of the righteous standard and a testimony of man's inability to meet that righteous standard. The Bible says that above it was a, was a on top of that box was a golden, a piece of gold and that place was called the mercy seat. That Yes, there's a righteous standard. A holy God and sinful man. Broken commandments. But above it, beloved, on top of it is a mercy seat. And that mercy seat tonight is where Jesus Christ says, you know what, you can come With all the broken commandments, all the sin, all the violation that you've done. And trumping, trumping that is what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross 2,000 years ago. And you can find mercy. It's not, are you good enough? Are you smart enough? Are you disciplined enough? I can help you right now. You will fall short on every count. But the blood of Jesus Christ tonight is God reaching down, initiating and saying, you know what, I'll meet you at the point where you say, God, I cannot do it on my own. And his mercy reaches out to you. You know what that does? That gives us hope tonight. I want you to bow your heads right now. No one moving around just for a minute. I felt very inspired to preach on the mercy of God this evening and just try to Stir your faith tonight that God can meet you in this place and help you. The blood of Jesus is available. If we accept the premise of the Bible, we are all sinners tonight. There's nobody here that's perfect. And if we're going to be saved, it's only going to be as an expression of God's mercy in our life. Jesus Christ invaded planet Earth, became a man, lived the only sinless life. Then he allowed sinful men to take him and hang him on a cross. And he died in our place. And the blood that he shed, the Bible says, has the power to forgive your sin, to cleanse you, to be an expression of God's mercy in your life. And I wonder if there are anybody here tonight, on the sound of my voice, who'd say, Pastor, I need God's mercy tonight. I'm not right with God. There's sin. There is a burden of guilt on my life. But I'm willing to admit that I'm a sinner. I'm willing to admit my failure, that I have fallen short. And if God could have mercy on me, I want Him to do that. That's the gospel story. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to tell you you're going to hell. I'm here to tell you the good news is that Jesus made a way for people just like you and I to be saved to have our sins forgiven it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed do you realize that the very fact that you are in a church hearing the gospel being offered an invitation is an expression of God's mercy he loves you tonight and he wants to save you if you want prayer you want to give your life to Christ I want you to do something right now I want you just to lift up your hand By lifting your hand, you're saying, pray for me, Pastor. I'm not right with God. Pray for me. God bless these hands. Are there any others? God bless these hands. I need Jesus tonight. Every one of you lifted your hand. God bless you. Are there any others? Hands have gone up. Are there any others? Pastor, I'm not right with God. Would you pray for me? I need forgiveness tonight. Would you pray for me? I want you that lifted your hand to lift your hand and look at me just for a minute. I want you to come right now. Ladies, would you come? Ma'am, would you come right now? Don't be embarrassed. Would you come? And as you come, we're going to have some sisters in the church that are going to meet you here at an altar pray with you lead you to Christ these are coming tonight all of these I praise God and ask you to come we have these coming alright we've got a number of women that are going to help us tonight just going to minister to you praise God I'm going to ask you to kneel right here at this altar and these women are going to help you our heads are bowed no one moving around this is between them and God these are coming are there any others While our heads are bowed, there are others tonight. You say, Pastor, I need I'm not right with God. But if God can have mercy on me, I want him to do that. Lift up your hand. Maybe you're a backslider here tonight. You were saved at one time, you walked with God, but you're here and you're backslidden, and you know you're backslidden because that scripture in the book of Hebrews reached out and grabbed your heart. A certain, fearful looking for of judgment. Because that's the reality for a backslider. There's an anticipation of dread. No matter what you're doing, you know that it's going to come to an end. And God in His love says, I'll meet you. And I can take the fear and the dread and I can replace it with hope. And I'll meet you. My mercy will meet you at the point of your failure. You're a backslider tonight. Lift up your hand. You know what, Pastor Ruby, I'm tired of running from God. Here's my hand. Amen. God bless you tonight. Who else? Amen. I want you to come sit right now and just step out from where you are come down find a place to pray this evening praise the Lord amen I want you to come I want you to come these are coming this evening hallelujah there are others tonight God's dealing with would you respond pastor that's me the mercy of God is here this evening God's dealing with you while our heads are bowed then in a moment we're going to stand and we're going to sing when we do There are Christians here tonight that mercy had begun to be a doctrine to you. You believed with all your heart that God would extend mercy to a a raving sinner, to a troubled young Christian. But yet in your own life, the fresh mercies of God have not been there. Began to all the things I mentioned, Satan, sin, self-righteousness, these things work in us and Pretty soon, mercy is obscured. I want to tell you that God's mercy for your life is inexhaustible and it is fresh and it can be real today. And I believe that God's speaking to some people tonight. Say, you know, Lord, I need to have more than a doctrine here. I need you to help me. I need you to work in my life. Hallelujah. We're going to stand right now. I'm going to open these altars. I believe the Spirit of God is in this place to touch and to minister, to help His people.